0: What's up, everyone? This is the first episode of Ryan Tyler's and Bears. Oh my! Uh, let's let's pay some bills out the gate. Uh, we have our, our uh, first sponsor is uh, Freya, and she's she's on the couch sleeping.
1: Yeah, and she's really not my dog. She's a pit bull that lives with me. Uh, breed standard, purple ribbon, close to ten years old.
0: Yeah, dude, proud. Mm-hmm. You should be a proud proud, proud
1: uh, owner. Absolutely companion. Yeah, yeah. I don't own her. We're companions. <clears throat> um, so,
0: like we said on the intro, we're going to be dissecting some of me and Tyler's favorite songs um, throughout any genre. And uh, So we have eight total. You can find it on a playlist on Spotify called RTBO Episode 1. Uh, I'm not going to deal with copyright issues in case we get sued for anything besides our foul humor. Mm-hmm. <laughs> True. Uh, so yeah, if you want to follow along there, uh, the first song on it though was my pick, and it was Boozer Uncles, which is a German band. And Tyler, how do you how do you say their the song? yes you you heard it which there's been many translations i thought the translation for a long time was we have it not quite yet but i think we actually just found a new translation
1: basically it amounts to german slang so translated to our slang would be we're not done by a long shot but what does the literal translation go to it literally is we have it not yet stopped yet pretty much but what was the one you just found Oh, that was what I said. That was it. No, the thirsty one? No, that's another that's another song. That's the oh, famous That's oh, was the that famous th- song Dick and Durstish, which oh, amounts yeah. in English to thick and thirsty, which doesn't sound well.
0: <laughs> yeah, we can never we can never cover that. Mm-mm. Um <clears throat> and uh if you know if you've ever heard this song, this song is the punk rock anthem of all anthems. The with the title just translating to we have it not quite yet is literally what this song is. The The intro chords are, it's just like an uplifting um, just progression. I actually, I listen to this a lot when I run uh, because I just feel I can do absolutely anything.
1: It's true, man. And it's not to sound cheesy, but it's a moving song. You, you don't even have to know the lyrics and it's moving.
0: Yeah, and like, did uh, did the did the bass player Stefan, did, did does he? What's his involvement in writing? He writes, uh, as far as I know, all
1: the music and all the lyrics.
0: Because that guy is probably the he is the king of king of the chorus. Yeah, Cause books he, and choruses, man. Because he he does he does such great um, just song progression with great intros, uh, and then. Um, the chorus is just always always just boom so fucking hard no they're
1: anthems for all time
0: <clears throat> and um there's probably there's probably something mean like why why do why do mean you like foreign speaking punk more than a lot of Ameri- uh, american english or just english in general speaking
1: you know I mean, we could go down a rabbit hole and talk forever on that. I I think mainly it's obviously we're English-speaking people in the United States. When kids get into punk, we automatically look to England, if not New York, England as the number one thing. And I think it can get played out. Obviously, we can understand what they're saying. Um, the stuff that's, you know, east of England, to Germany and France and this type of punk, Italy... You get a little more. I'd say musical diversity is the main thing. They're not trying just to copy the the few British bands that were around. And part of it is too. You can't really understand what they're saying, so you focus more on the music.
0: Yeah, and Bo's, Bo's uncles, like I said, like they they have such they have such a natural um, progression with the punk chords. It doesn't. It never. Nothing really ever sounds forced. And it it grew it grew so well.
1: It does and this uh, this song was written in nineteen ninety one. And if anyone's familiar with Bo's Uncle's history, they started in the early eighties, I think nineteen seventy 1970, actually nineteen seventy eight or nine, and had a career starting as a sort of oi punk band with a harder edge. And this was their transition in getting into what they are today, which is for lack of a better term, an epic rock band without ever having cheesy rock sound that most stadium bands have yeah it's still grounded in punk yeah, they were never motley Crue. no it's grounded in punk but you look at their shows and there's normal kids that listen to them not subculture kids it's your regular school kids and dads that yeah. like them
0: yeah um yes yeah, so that was the that was the first song so if you're if you're either listening along or want to go listen yes. Uh again the playlist is on Spotify, that's a public playlist and it's capital RTBO episode 1. All right, the second pick is uh Tylers and if you're following along, um again this is a public playlist on Spotify for RT capital RTBO episode 1. And um Tyler, you can you can take your pick.
1: All right, this uh, this song is from the Clash. It's one of uh, well, it's both of probably our favorite band, and this is from their 1980 release Sandinista. and it's the song "Somebody Got Murdered." And interesting, well,
0: let's, let's let's take a little moment to talk about Sandinista. and
1: it's it's a wealth of a record, a wealth of a record. It's, it is is understatement. It's a <laughs> it's a triple vinyl album when it was released. I think there's 30 something songs on this thing.
0: And and f- five like five or six great songs. Great songs. And then the, the other 24 songs you can kind of throw away. And the Clash admits it. I watched <laughs>
1: I watched them talking. They're humble dudes and they said, you know, they wouldn't change it for the world. They want those songs on there, but some of them are very bad.
0: Yeah. I mean, well, it's it's a piece in time, mm-hmm. so I understand like you got to have you know, you, you got to have your, your shits with your successes. I think
1: they had some inspiration with all the different stuff they did on London Calling. And they took this to a different level that I don't <clears> really think, <throat> at the end of the day, they yeah. weren't too happy with it.
0: Yeah, jumping jumping ahead, really, in our list. I, I have another song from The Clash, and it's off London Calling, which um, I think with both me and Tony, like that that album... Alone is probably one of the best front-to-back albums ever, if not for punk or punk rock. Anything
1: music in general, yeah. they, they encompass so many different genres of music, and they're including of well, ska, reggae, hip hop.
0: Yeah, and they did it um, all when you you can tell every song is by the Clash. Absolutely, but they're, they're
1: all so different. Absolutely, like, you know. Right, but back- Coca Cola—that's one of my favorite songs okay. from London Collie. But, but
0: um, yeah, so. Yeah, from, from one of their best albums, London
1: Calling, to now Sandinista. A year later, <laughs> not so much. I don't know what was going on. Maybe they I, I feel they rushed. I think they rushed. I think they were including every riff they came up with. Yeah. And uh, But all that said, the gem of that album is Somebody Got Murdered, and it's my favorite Clash song. So Testament and hats off to that record, because it's my favorite Clash song. And I'm nobody, but I like it. <laughs> um, but why I like this song so much... Is one of the themes of main theme of all music since people have been people has been death and the clash really delves deep into not just oh, a person is dead, it's unfortunate, or this was our friend, we're sad. It goes into you know, what does it mean to be alive and what happened, you know, before the murder, what happened after it, who were the people that committed it, and who is the person that died. And also explores the ambivalence that any person, to this day, you know, murders happen all the time, and we might hear about it. It might happen on a certain street, and the next morning, where we walk right along that street, where somebody was killed.
0: Yeah, I think I think one of the one of the more powerful things about this songs and it's it's so simple when he says that um, somebody got murdered, someone's dead forever, or is it gone forever?
1: Uh, dead forever. Dead
0: forever. Like I mean that. That sounds stupid to, to – like if he's writing off those lyrics, I think it's kind of – I would read that and be like, yeah, that sounds kind of dumb. But the thing is I think him saying that second part makes it makes it more impactful. Well, he does. that's really what Dead is.
1: Yeah, That's what he says. He says, you know, goodbye for keeps forever. Yeah. And it's – there is no coming back from Death. And so many punk albums, so many rap albums, so many, you know, songs deal with – street brawls, or this, or I want to kill this guy, and this actually really shows what murder is, and what it means to just, yeah, to be gone, and uh, interesting fact, I was uh, watching a documentary with Joe Strummer talking about this song, and what inspired him, and it was the parking lot attendant of his <coughs> apartments that was murdered, and he was up there, and saw the guy get killed, you know, for, I don't know, spare change or something, and that's that can be heard on the end of the album or end of the song when he's saying, you know you know what's that sound are they drunk down below you because know, yeah, you hear it, you know we hear things all the time, you know you can hear gunshots, and somebody probably did die there,
0: yeah, um think also too another thing where he what he's divulging in the conversation of what happened, and he talks about I was like i I've, I've been hungry before, but not enough to kill absolutely and like you're so he's he's already. He was already thinking about the bigger picture, not like some some piece of shit murdered another guy. You know, it was more like it's like what drove someone to this? Because like I can I can imagine being down in the dumps, but I can't imagine being so down in the dumps that I killed someone. What yeah, you're going to take do? a life. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, um, you know, they're they're one they're probably the best band ever, and you can tell that they're, they they uh, uh, they're heavy thinkers.
1: Absolutely heavy thinking band without ever being a preachy band that's corny. Yeah,
0: yeah. They make
1: you think and they make you feel, which I think that's missing from a lot of music today and what was missing from it then too.
0: Yeah.
1: All right. Pick number three
0: is mine. And it's by the, the first hardcore band that I was like, this is, this is it. This is my, this is my fucking shit. And, it was when I was young, I think we, I think it was in high school, I saw this video on MTVX, and it is sick of it all, scratched the surface, and just like I said, this, I think, there was a couple, there was a couple videos circling around on MTVX that were like clear hardcore bands, and it was, I think Agnostic Front had got to go on there, uh, I was sick of it all, um, they also had
1: Anthem by Gnostic Front. I love that song.
0: Yeah. Uh, I think like some of the early AFI could have been on there mm-hmm. if you want to put them into the hardcore genre, which I do. And they had Snapcase. I yeah, that band, Snapcase. That, band, yes. that song Caboose was another one. And, um, but this song, especially with like their uh, just that opening riff of them uh, doing the slide it's hard it's just so fucking hard and it was more than it was it was aggressive but it wasn't fast and it wasn't it wasn't um it wasn't punk i knew it wasn't punk because it wasn't like four chords or six chords just going fast Mm -hmm. going different progressions and not like no they they you they give you a breakdown at the very fucking beginning, and
1: you know? it's a hard breakdown, and it's a breakdown without being metal or bro hardcore, and that's what's so great about this song and sick of it all in general. Yeah, I mean they're they're
0: still like I might have fall, fallen off a little on their on their newer albums. Um, uh, I was, but I'm st- I'm still a big fan of them, and I'll I'll they will always be the band for me that got me into hardcore which led to Oi, which led to pretty much what what me and you became with crucial change our band and so i'm i'm always grateful they they're not a band I'm ever going to be like no they sold out
1: they no. they they can honestly they can sell out I don't care if they do and people have accused them of it in the past when they did call to arms and that, call to arms is basically an oi record and it's a great record well, I think they
0: actually first got called out on scratch the surface cuz well, they signed to a major cuz they signed to a major Yeah, but i mean
1: player hate man
0: yeah totally and um there've been two uh Craig Satari is the the bass player is the only the only non-original, even though he, I think he he started playing right after Blood, Sweat, and No Tears. Yeah, I mean,
1: he virtually counts as an original. Yeah, right?
0: and they have been the exact same lineup ever since. Like, that that speaks, um, like, granted, two of them are brothers. But, I mean, like, that speaks, like, these guys were, were in it to do it as a career, and they've done it as a career.
1: Yeah, no, and it's honorable. Yeah. You know? yeah.
0: So, yeah, I went through, I went, I went through a um, uh, big hardcore phase there was actually like even even um, a part in my head for a long time when I was younger that um, only hard like only only New York harbored hardcore bands like I would even mm-hmm. hear I would hear West Coast hardcore bands I'm like no that's that's not hardcore like that's mm-hmm. like where's the riff like where's the where's the where's the breakdown yeah, like
1: where's the bangers yeah
0: I mm-hmm. heard I heard seven seconds for the first time I or like they're Seven Seconds is one of my all-time favorites. And someone told me they were hardcore. I was like, no, that's not hardcore. That's, that's like, it's too...
1: That's just not hardcore. Well, it's, it's not sick of it all. It's not from New York. What the fuck are you calling it hardcore? Absolutely. And I understand that, like, technically people say that everything after the original first wave of Punk... So, basically, Sex Pistols and Clash onward, that this is all hardcore. Black Flag's hardcore. Dead Kennedys are hardcore. Well, nowadays, with all the stuff that's came out for the 80s and all the 90s from Sick of It All, Any of Them, Agnostic Front, Madball. Yeah, hardcore is heavy. Yeah, and that's what hardcore is yeah. to me today.
0: Yeah. It, uh, and and Sick of It All was the the first one to to have me say, "Yep, that's that's my shit right there."
1: And a great album from toback, Goatless by the way. Oh god. I
0: actually listened to that on my on my run this morning and that's yeah. dude, that whole album. Um, that is probably the best song and probably one of probably their best song. Absolutely "Goatless."
1: And I know I've heard them say on live albums they can never play that song right.'t
0: well, it like the, well, the drums are so hard. The today.
1: drums are hard, the time signatures are hard and that song just fucking kills. Yeah.
0: All right. Song four is Tyler's Pick. What do you got?
1: All right, what I got is Biohazard and it's from the album Urban Discipline from 1992 and shockingly the song is Urban Discipline.
0: You know, I this this album is fucking awesome and I I've, I've known you I've known you for a long time. I knew this this song was going to be either this or Punishment, but yeah. I knew it was going to come from this album. I'm going to say I'm a little disappointed it didn't come from their first EP, which is like what like Hudson Beach.
1: Oh, well that was uh that was on their album, yeah, uh god what was it called? Howard Beach. Howard Beach. Mm-hmm. Those, those songs are all all
0: New York hardcore bangers. Honestly, absolutely,
1: yeah. and I think by you know, Urban Discipline is when Biohazard broke out. Um, this was released on Roadrunner, which I believe t- somebody can correct me. I think it's still kind of an indie label, but it's it's a pretty big label. And this was their breakout. And I love Biohazard, and you know I haven't really followed Biohazard much after. I did like State of the World address after this, but after that, haven't followed him a whole time. Yeah. Uh, Madaleo was good. They've done some questionable things later on in their career, you know. <laughs> the one guy, Evan Seinfeld, got into porn and then just straight butt rock. Well, and it sucked. It sucked to hear him getting into porn and
0: something so much of what a fucking doofus would do because because
1: Biohazard was like political and smart. Well, and that's that's why. I got so into the Biohazard because starting out as a young kid in Seattle you know we're not Ryan and myself aren't guys that lie and say oh from from early on it was only just the most underground shit we were into no I was a kid in suburban Seattle who listened to popular Seattle music you know Alice in Chains the like and Biohazard was the first band for me that actually talked about issues and talked about them plainly and I come from a family where that was ingrained and important, and I was wanted that music and music I liked. And reading their lyrics, I was like, okay, here's a band that's you know anti-racist, uh, politically progressive, but kept it hard and street. Well, like two, it 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 does it does sound cool to
0: have two Jews playing fucking hard as. Fucking man, oh, absolutely. And
1: you knew these guys because <laughs> the only person I ever knew named Seinfeld was on Seinfeld. Yeah. And seeing these guys, you know, I think Danny Shula and Evan Seinfeld, <laughs> you know, these, these motherfuckers played it hard. And, yeah. and I loved everything about them. They were so, everybody in that band was so fucking New York and from a world I didn't know, which was not suburban Seattle, you know, these hard ass New York, you know, I don't know, do the right thing motherfuckers. <laughs> And the song Urban Discipline, I mean, everybody can agree, it's hard. That intro, you got the sirens going on, you're assuming, you know, gang violence has just gone down, and they start in with a riff that kills all others. Yeah.
0: Um, I, heard, I heard an interview with Billy Biohazard recently and said Biohazard's not done, but he's going to have someone else, like, obviously Seinfeld's on it anyway.
1: Yeah, I think, what is he, in Atticus 7 or something? It's, Some
0: just butt rock. It's with the
1: WWF wrestler is one of yeah, the Yeah, I
0: mean, it's very much a band that a dude who's in porno... Would do <laughs> with it
1: in a band that other dudes look just like the guys you'd see in porno. Yeah, yeah, that's a that is an absolute. And it was it was sad to see, you know, because I I I go back to my room and those years and listening and to jerk off to Biohazard. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there was a lot of jerking off going on, but not too <laughs> Biohazard. This was the early days of the internet, so a lot of nervous that mom's coming and trying to close the close the <laughs> yeah. window as fast as possible. But Biohazard did open me up to really knowing there was a band that thought like I did, and it really gave me ammunition to want to do a band. And, uh, yeah, I'm proud of him on this record.
0: All
1: right. So for this next pick, it is Ryan's, and it's song number five on our list. And, well, you know, from my end, this is all fucking me. This is off his
0: 1981 album. Tonight on yours. (laughs) It's Rod Stewart to Young Turks. And I'm, not, I'm probably not going to spend too much time on this song, besides that I think it resonates with me being an 80s child, and this song is quintessential 80s, I think, what did, what
1: did the internet describe this as, uh, synth pop? According to Wikipedia, it's synthplot slash pop. Yeah, so th- this is when he was getting experimental. With the times. Rod Stewart's a man that goes with the times. He's been glam, he's been mod, he's been synth-pop, and now he just yeah. looks like my 60-year-old aunt. <laughs> <laughs> I need to
0: meet your aunt. <laughs> she looks like Rod Stewart. Yeah. Um, but I have a distinct memory of with this song. I was down in Long Beach, uh, California, visiting a friend a couple years ago. Another friend was in the bar with us. We were at Ferns and there was a DJ playing this song, and I was just, I was just pissed drunk, and I was with Sixer, which yeah. our our best friend Sixer will be on this podcast. Yeah, shout out
1: to Jeff Sixer. Yeah,
0: um, we were in this, and like it was playing, and I was just shouting it at the top of my lungs, pissed drunk in a different city, and it felt great.
1: Yeah, I've never seen you like that.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's hard to imagine. Yeah, it's, yeah. Um but other than that I think I think it's yeah, it's just it's an eighties jam that's so it's so ridiculously eighties. Like you you can't play this song and tell me this was in the seventies or the nineties. This this song yeah. says it was in the eighties. The 80s. spirit
1: of the eighties spooged on the vinyl. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, this is dripping no cleanup. Eighties. You know, yeah, right. You got it. Yeah. Uh but yeah, this is why I love this song. It's just and it's a good story about you know, like what what the term Young Turks is slang for, which is being an, a young upstart. Absolutely. Yeah. Um but uh but yeah, that's that's Rod Stewart's Young Turks. My mm-hmm. St- my pick. Scotsman. Yeah. Alright, so the sixth pick and this is this goes to Tyler. This is uh Woody Guthrie's
1: Worried Man Blues. Alright, so This is kind of a probably a shocking pick in regards to most of the others. Uh, Pretty much every other song here ranges from early 90s to at the very earliest, late 70s. And this song goes all the way back to 1944. And the song itself, Worried Man Blues, actually goes back way farther than that. Um, Musical historians, you know, who specialize in this stuff, it's one of those songs that has no discernible author. It's an old blues song. Um, from the south, um, definitely a black blues song. It was first covered, I believe, by the Carter family in the probably the twenties.
0: Mother Maybell.
1: Yep, Mother Maybell Carter, <laughs> and uh, and everybody knows the Carter family, then the Johnny Cash connection. Um, but Woody Guthrie, I've always admired. To me, he was. Punk for his time, and more powerful than a lot of bands and people out today. Yeah, you know? his,
0: gar- his guitar said, "I." Uh, he I, said this
1: machine kills fascists. Oh, dude,
0: I thought it was uh, like I politely disagree with fascists, but the freedom of speech is what it is. Well, that would be what it would say
1: today from our modern. Ah, uh, oh, shit. Yeah, but no, Woody Guthrie—he <laughs> didn't pull any punches. He was a—I uh, don't know—a a good man of his time and a man that showed me a lot in the sense that. Time is no way to measure justice or what was right and wrong. You know, he, he was alive at a time that it, it, things were not what they are today, and it was it was not he, good. He also, um,
0: he wasn't one of these, like, uh, I mean, he came up with a time where really, I mean, no one was rich, but um, he wasn't like a champagne socialist. He, was he wasn't. Worker. Woody
1: Guthrie was a, a union man, a man that was a hobo. He rode the rails. He got to see America from black America to Native American America at the forefront of unionism when it was just getting going and at the forefront of fighting fascism when that was not the time of the day. You know, he took on Charles Lindbergh. He uh, he took on lynchings. He took on really anything of the time that was happening. And I admire him for that. But back to the song, it's a, it begins with a guitar line that's so dissonant, so haunting, and since the recording, I think he recorded this with Alan Lomax in 1944. This is before uh, the American recording industry. I can't get into the, you know, techniques of it, but I uh, actually got the kind of recording we know today that's clear and audible. <laughs> so, you know, his, all you're picking up in his guitar is just the basic sounds. You're not getting any resonating notes. Do
0: you, Do you find that aspect of Woody Guthrie and, like, you're you're into a lot of old folk like that. Is there any relation to that with like a lot of the old punk and oi we listen to too? Being... I think
1: so because it's you listen to when you listen to Woody Guthrie, you immediately know you don't have to know the date, but you know that it's a time way far gone because it's it's very scratchy. You can hear the record scratching at the beginning, and then he gets going. Um, and yeah, the early punk is the same way, you know, just in a different. It's a four track recorder on a cassette in some garage somewhere. Yeah.
0: I had <clears throat> I was talking with a friend and um, like the the only the only album of uh, the band Last Resort I listened to is the the first mm-hmm. the first King of the Jungle. Um, was that was that the name of the EP?
1: Yeah, they had a bunch of I don't even know if the Last Resort had that album Violence in Our Minds, but that was pretty much a compilation of a bunch of it was pretty much all EPs.
0: Yeah, and then I I had a friend say so was like I couldn't listen to it cuz it was so bad, but then listened to their like really liked their stuff that was released maybe four or five years ago, and it's it's all clean recording yeah. and and I'll say I I think I listened to it really quick and it just it it can't really resonate with me um, it, it can't and I I feel especially a lot with with punk and oi in general is like I feel it's a it's a young it's a well, it's, it's a young man's game. It's, it's, yeah, like not to sound cliche, but it is like I don't, I don't want, I want you to sound juvenile, and I don't want it to sound produced. When and then these guys grew up, and they were almost doing the same exact juvenile sound, but now with a clean recording, yeah, and highly I,
1: produced digital recording, yeah,
0: and like that, that just doesn't sound sound legit to me, but. Um, I I digress So
1: yeah, Woody Guthrie's "Worried Man Blues Take a listen, it's a powerful song It doesn't really describe a specific subject or person It talks about waking up basically down by the river in shackles And you get an image of the song And especially when you know the time period And remember this isn't 1944 The song was probably written maybe turn of the century, late 1800s And uh, it's one of misery, despair And it's not mentioned in it, but you know just of the air of the time, the song and who the song is referring to, you know, virulent racism. And it's a it's a powerful, powerful track. All right, seven
0: seven's coming in, in and it's uh, my pick, which I, I said I had a clash pick on here, and here it is, it's my last one. Um, and it's from
1: their their best album, not like Sandinista. <laughs> Um so, not be too hard. <laughs> it's another great album from the greatest band. Yes, that happens maybe to be a little greater. But than yeah, the this is Sabonese
0: this stuff. is the greatest band's greatest album, and um, this is their song "Death or Glory" off "London Calling," and which is funny, This is at least I don't know many other people. That talk about this song, I think, in at least the importance I love about this
1: song. You can barely find a video of it live.
0: <laughs> yeah, and it's not for 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 a long time. My only Clash album was their Essentials, like mm-hmm. their two disc Essential CDs. Yes, and uh, this wasn't on it, so I didn't hear it for a long
1: time. And to digress a little bit into maybe why that is, the Clash started obviously as a punk band. They got so experimental in London, calling. The, I forget which this I believe Coca-Cola follows this song which you go into something so different yeah. um, not punk almost I don't know what you'd call it jazz, ska, fusion meets hip hop sort of Yeah. and still a great song but Death or Glory is very much even with the title Right in line with old school, working class, British yeah. punk.
0: And this song is awesome, probably front to back, because that,
1: that bass line at the beginning, mm-hmm. so fucking righteous. And as a bassist myself, I can say that, and I've ripped him off countless times <laughs> and continue to, to rip him off as Paul Simonon because there's nobody like him, and it's yeah. awesome, and he's hard to emulate.
0: <clears throat> but uh, the lyrics of this, the lyrics of this strike me, lit- The lyrics alone is why this song is my favorite on that album. And it's pretty much saying how the term death and glory can only go so far and people start just saying it with no meaning behind it.
1: Absolutely. You know, I love the beginning where, you know, he's talking about the guy with love and hate tattooed on the knuckles of his hands. And you get an idea of people listening to this, us, we know the scene we're in. And there's guys with love and hate tattooed. My hands are tattooed. And you think that you're this rebel, you know, fuck the world, all this. At the end of the day, you end up spending money on your girl, furniture, and some people end up slapping their kids around with those <laughs> same hands. And yeah. it shows that all that rebellion amounted to you basically just being run-of-the-mill nobody.
0: Yeah. Which I think, uh, I mean, there's there's been countless punk songs about posers and people just... Not not adding up, but they they summed it up. Yeah. Way of life. <laughs> you know they 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 sum, they summed it up in a phrase that's used so common and just, but people lose make it lose its integrity. Like one like a a phrase that I I constantly see in our our punk and hardcore scene today is is a PMA. Oh, and, Jesus. <laughs> and I I feel oh. like. I feel a lot of, pe- a lot of people do, do really understand what PMA is. And it's, you know, what it, what it stands for, people don't know. It's positive mental attitude brought to us by the bi- bad brains. Which but, would be nice. Yeah, you know, which, would, which would, be, would be great. But I think people often don't understand what depression is or just what, what, having, a, what having a fucking bad day is. Mm-hmm. And I think people just usually, it's like, oh, just, you know, lift your head up, PMA, bro. And it's just like, that's that's not, like, stop using something that you don't really fucking understand anymore. Well,
1: yeah, and I agree with, you know, that, yeah, the medical industry should be critiqued in their regards to psychiatry, but also band-aid statements like that need to be critiqued, where it's, depression's a real thing. You know, it's a chemical imbalance and PMA doesn't fix a chemical imbalance. You know, all that fixes is a guy seems positive and you're shocked when you find out he kills himself a month later. Yeah. And I think that's, that's the danger of things like that. And death or glory obviously isn't as harmful of a one, but it's, it's the same type of thing. I mean, there, I have so many oi and punk, if they're not called the death or glory, it's in there. It's a lyric. It's always that.
0: Yeah. The one thing that probably is, um, actually true to the stupid slogan it is, is probably have a laugh, have a say. Yes,
1: which is very much in only for people listening to this that know oi music. They know exactly what is a laugh and a say. And then when you try and have a say, especially in anything regards to something politically relevant or socially relevant, then you get the thing of no politics, which is probably my most hated slogan (laughs) in the oi movement. Yeah. So kudos to The Clash.
0: Speaking on politics, we are coming up to our last pick, which is Tyler's pick. And again, if uh, you do want to listen to these songs and um, kind of have an opinion with us or really what we're talking about, um, there is a public Spotify playlist that I've made. It goes in the order of the episode. It is under the name capital R-T-B-O episode one. And the last pick is Tyler's like I said and it's the Dead Kennedys I fought the law.
1: All right. So yeah, out the gate I love this song and I love the Dead Kennedys. You know, they're a band that were so insanely different from Jello's vocals which I don't even know what you classify those as a screaming hysterical grandmother um <laughs> with surf guitar and we're one of the quintessential hardcore bands, or I'd like to say a punk band. We'll go back to that. Uh, yeah, because again, dude,
0: I wouldn't. I they didn't come from New York. They have a breakdown. No, they were not they, hard, were
1: they were not hardcore. San anymore. Francisco man in the East Bay. Yeah, and uh, they're another band that blew me away as far as politics, in the same way Biohazard did, but a different way. Not street-based politics of inner city, but something totally different and something I could from living in the area I did of Seattle and then my parents growing up in suburban Los Angeles to kind of know about the time this song is speaking of. And just the music aspect, regardless of the lyrics, it's, I think, the best version of I Fought the Law, which was a Bobby Fuller 4 song from, people can chime in, I don't know, the 60s sometime. And rather than I Fought the Law and the Law won, this is I Fought the Law and I Won. And it's, it's regarding, it was written right after the murders of San Francisco Mayor George Muscone and uh, Harvey Milk by Dan White. And the song pretty much follows the same verse lines of I Fought the Law. But it includes things that when I listened to the song, I had no idea what they were talking about. Yeah, did you say
0: you had to ask your mom about well, it? Well, I did. You know, I was
1: so young reading it. You know, I had to go. I was like, I went and asked my mom. I knew that was around her time period. And I said, you know, what's... What
0: Do you remember what age you were when you first heard this song?
1: Late middle school, early high school, something like that. Okay. One of those times, young enough to run and ask your mom something. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I've had parents that were always really, you know, bolstered me in anything I was into. And I, I went and asked her about Because the lyric, you know, it's, it's from the point of view of the shooter, Dan White, and you're hearing him talk about, you know, I needed sex and I got mine, and drinking beer in the hot sun, and, you know, he's the new folk hero, the Ku Klux Klan, and so I'm getting the thing, I'm like, this guy's a piece of shit. So I went and asked my mom, what is the line, you know, I blew George and Harvey's brains out with my six gun. And she told me, I was like, oh, well, that's, you know, that was the mayor of San Francisco and Harvey Milk, the basically first openly gay elected member of anything. And uh, just at the forefront of gay rights. And it, it, that kind of blew me away. And I thought, you know, well, kudos to the dead Kennedys for talking about something like that, especially because that's their city.
0: And has, J- has Jello Jell- ever said anything about his sexuality
1: it uh, never has. I think he's. I, I, I don't know. I, I thought I heard he had a partner that was a woman at some point, but I think he, he's a guy that has a point to make, and that it doesn't even matter. No, you know, I mean, and I, people always think though he's kind of different. You know, you, oh, is he that? <clears throat> is he that? You know, and I think he just is there to make a statement, and he's an artist, and yes, he is a weird man of all sorts. <laughs> you yeah, know? there,
0: there is no, there's no disputing that mm-hmm. aspect. But, I mean, I think kind of like, it doesn't, it absolutely does not matter.
1: No, and he includes what's so good about this song, a lot of Dead Kennedys, this is a heavy subject, and it's firmly on the side that Dan White was a monster and what he did was atrocious, but the Dead Kennedys can't make a song without some type of humor injected, some type of black humor, and...
0: Some kind of snarkiness? Yeah, when
1: you're listening to the lyrics from Dan White's point of view, it makes total sense, you know, and he's going to write his book and make a million, and... That combined with the surf thing, it's not only so quintessentially a good song lyrically and an important song, but such a quintessentially California everything, just dude <laughs> rad song. Yeah, yeah. You know, you can surf to it and be educated at the same time. Eat pizza, be educated, drink beer. Yep, yeah, yep yeah, exactly. Pizza, beer, and West Coast dude culture.
0: Absolutely. Well, that concludes our list for the first episode. Uh, again, that... Um, Playlist you can listen to follow along. Um, if you listened if you listened to our intro episode of the podcast, uh, you may remember a subject that we will um, frequently be discussing, and that is who actually wrote the 1986 album "The Age of Coral" by the Chromex. And Tyler, I think you have.
1: Well, it's it's I, I know Brian. Right? It's it's a hot topic. It's one we've been around our whole lives. We've had to listen to it. You know, I like to think we're pretty humble guys, you know, and I like to stay quiet a lot of the time. I'm the guy that's not piping up. I did this. I did that. But, you know, what we're going to discuss here, it's not going to be settled in this this one episode. This is just a harbinger of things to come. Yes. But, you know, I'm kind of going to kind of lay it on the table and, you know, we wrote this album. Yes. Me and Tyler. Absolutely. And it's going to become as a shock to people. And, uh... They're gonna say no, you guys didn't, you know, and that's that goes back to just sort of the humility of us, and it it flowed naturally. We uh, we wrote it without even doing much thinking.
0: No, because we st- we it came out in September '86. We in, started writing it in the summer. In the
1: summer, because that's when you're having a good time. We're young. It was summer. It was hot out. I remember Reagan was president. We were pissed off. Yeah, and it was it came naturally. You know, it's. Uh, there were problems in the street, you know, people, you know, picking on me, all this. And that's when I really, the thing of like street justice came to me. That was the street first time Street justice,
0: like, you know, like um, also like just motherfuckers would be stabbing me in the back.
1: Yeah, I'm stabbed in the back. Yeah. In, in and hard um, times, it was hard times all around the country. Uh, world peace was a real threat. You know, you had Reagan and he was, he was getting at the Soviets hard yeah and people were thinking, at any moment, you know the bomb's gonna go off, and so we said, you know world peace can't be won. I believe that was all you that
0: that was that was all me, but again, like this we're going to continue to um unveil facts
1: about this. Does that pinpoint the time place yeah. we were when we wrote, yeah, when we wrote this, the attitudes, the riffs we were using, uh, hell, I'll even get into the equipment, what we were recording and all. Yeah, yeah. And uh, it's just one of those things. I don't want any praise from it. I don't think Ryan does either. It's it's crazy to see in a scene that should be unified Dude, for, all this fighting about this.
0: Yeah, for how, for what the album has come, it's, it's no longer ours.
1: No, it's no, I think it's every kid that's interested in punk and hardcore. Uh, it's a great introduction into the music that is all around yeah yeah and it was perfectly you know I, I, we didn't mean it to be what it was it wasn't that serious you know we have our own band we've went on to do stuff this was something we did and it we didn't know it would take off like that I'm glad it did I don't like seeing people fight amongst each other this guitarist did this this singer did this I wrote this I hate this guy there shouldn't be any hate you know we're gonna lay and say you guys are important. You did a good job, but we we wrote this album we recorded it yeah. yeah um but
0: yeah so we'll we'll divulge more into that as the episodes go on um but
1: uh yeah that that I think is our our first episode Tyler what, what do you what did you think no, I enjoyed it i think uh I think we're on to something good here, and I hope people keep listening. I hope we can open some minds, have some fun, and uh God, just like we said here, set the record straight on some things yeah yeah, I mean you that's know. a big
0: thing but Uh, we're going to hopefully try to do, hopefully try to get like once a week, um, starting out with, and we're, we're going to try to, try to, try to do this. Yeah,
1: absolutely. And we'll encourage you guys to join in and, uh, we'll have fun while doing it.
0: Yeah. All right. Have a good day guys.